0: This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. It's Tuesday, so we're going to be talking about AI use cases, and we're going to be swinging back to healthcare. We speak this week with Peter Durlock of Nuance Communications. He is a Senior Vice President of Healthcare Strategy, and he speaks with us this week about applying artificial intelligence to reduce physician burnout. We're going to dive deep into some particular physician workflows and talk about where artificial intelligence is beginning to make its way into those workflows now to deliver results for them and for the hospital and hopefully for the patient as well, and what those trends might look like into the future. We always like to end episodes when we can on taking a little bit of a peek as to where these trends are leading us. And Peter does a good job of sort of laying out what he thinks the trends are in healthcare. If you haven't already downloaded our three ways to find AI trends in any industry report, you can download that free PDF at emerj.com. T3, that's T is in trends, and then the number three, emerj.com slash T3, and you can download our report called Three Ways to Find AI Trends in Any Industry. Those are some of our best rules of thumb, so if you're interested in what's happening here in healthcare and how to stretch that forward and determine what's going to be shifting and moving in your industry as well, then be sure to download that report at emerj.com slash T3. Without further ado, we're going to roll into this use case episode. This is Peter Durlock with Nuance Communications, here on the AI and business podcast. So Peter, I want to start off kind of teeing up this topic of clinician burnout. Apparently this, this really does matter for the bottom line. I think some folks in healthcare are going to be aware of this. Some people might not. Can you quickly explain the problem before we dive into how it works and where AI fits in?
1: Sure, Dan. Thanks very much for this. Yes, clinician burnout has been a problem in healthcare for a long time and let me kind of paint the picture for you and then give you some kind of data and stats on it so you know most people who go into work for something is because they love to do what they do and in healthcare that's really a a super important thing people go to medical school as you can imagine you know friends probably that are physicians they have to go to undergraduate medical school they do residency they do fellowship you're talking years of work and they're often in financial, a lot of debt, as you know, so for people to really make it through that process, they have to love what they do and physicians really go into medicine to take care of people. That's really the passion that they have. And so they spend often 10 or 15 years of their life getting ready for this. And so what's happened in healthcare, there has been so much pressure on the financial side of healthcare the insurance companies, both the government insurance and private, have put all these mandates on physicians of what they need to document, what data they need to fill out in order to get paid and justify reimbursement and, and other compliance mandates. And what's happened as a result is physicians feel like they've been turned into clerks. And so, for example, this may surprise you. On average, clinicians spend twice as much time during the day working on administrative requirements than taking care of their patients. So if you think about that, that's kind of crazy, right? So you think doctors are there to take care of people, but yet twice as much time is spent on stuff that's in the support of the business of healthcare, as opposed to the, the clinical side of healthcare. So what's happened as these mandates have accelerated and the physicians have to meet these mandates in what are called electronic health records that are the systems that allow clinicians to document what they're doing. There's been what the, uh, you know, World Medical Association has called a, a, a pandemic, which may not be the great use of words right now. But we're yeah. At COVID, right. But this <laughs> was done before COVID. Yep. A physician burnout. And right now about 51% of all clinicians worldwide are burned out. They have higher rates of suicide. They're more depressed. As the day goes on, they make more medical errors. So it's actually more dangerous to go into a hospital or see a physician later in the day during the early because they're so tired. and. Financially, as a result, on average, uh, the U.S. looks like it's it's wasting about four and a half billion dollars in cost from excess, from mistakes, from physician turnover. And physicians are demoralized. People are leaving the practice. They're retiring. We're already short of primary care physicians here in the U.S. So this is a huge, huge issue. As a patient, the only way you'd experience this is what you could probably resonate with is when you go to an office, you know how rushed they are, oh, a yeah. little time oh, they have to yeah. see you. Yep. That's part of the problem. I mean, it's a 15 minute visit if you're lucky. If you're lucky, they're looking back and forth to the computer, they're distracted. And part of this is this burnout problem. So it has a real effect on us as patients, not just the physician. So this is a sort of existential issue. For this group of professionals, but it's also an existential issue for us as as patients in the country because these are the people that that take care of us. So this is really the problem statement that that uh, we're focused on here around clinician burnout. So
0: two two questions here as we move forward. One is how is this being measured right now in other words sort of how are we kind of gauging are we looking at turnover rates relatively speaking across different departments of the hospital are we looking at number of errors and have some way to quantify that i can imagine that actually be somewhat challenging you might not know if you made an error until two months later or something like that how are we able to quantify the impact of this burnout
1: yeah there there are a number of formal rating systems cognitive studies that have been done in the literature and academically that healthcare organizations use to measure burnout. And these are similar to the way to how people measure burnout in other professions. It's not just physicians uh, they do with, uh, you know, police officers, etc. cetera. So they are, there are surveys of how people feel about life on um, the errors. Hospitals actually have systems that go back and track when errors happen. So it's a combination of survey work with clinicians. Uh, they look at some objective data and they mash these things together and then they compare them against baseline and against other professions. So this is kind of a well known academic area that's been applied to healthcare and like many other white collar professions.
0: Got it. Yeah. It does seem like a bit of a fuzzier space than let's say detecting payment fraud, where it's just, we got fraud, not fraud, bop, 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 right. We're talking about a lot of subjective hoopla here. We're like, oh, I'm stressed. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to measure every neuron. But yeah, like you said, there are some subjective measures, some objective measures, and we can get some proxies. So it sounds like you're able to measure the impact that way. When it comes to, you know, we're going to talk about where AI fits into helping with this problem, but I'd love to know, What's being done about it now? So what's the, I guess, non-AI approach in terms of the state of right. affairs for dealing with this?
1: Right. So there are a number of things that affect burnout. Some of it is related to this administrative burden, as I mentioned. Some is related to lack of control. Many physician practices used to be private businesses that the physicians run, and now they're being bought by larger organizations. So they lose some control of the, of the clinical decision-making that they have. So What people are trying to do now is on the non-AI side, which we'll come to in a minute, they're thinking about how to involve physicians more in decision making, how many hours they work, how much collaboration they have. So it's more around the practice of medicine as they get aggregated in these large integrated delivery networks, these large hospital systems that dominate the US healthcare system. So there's a lot of work around just having physicians be feeling like they're more in control of what they're doing and how they're delivering care versus just a cog in the machine of this large enterprise. So that's what a lot of the folks are working on. And then there's a massive focus on what we're about to talk about, which is how to make the daily practice of documenting what they're doing with patients much, much easier. And that's where AI really comes into it. We'll talk about that in a moment. I believe.
0: Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So just to, to, to understand here, it sounds like one of the levers for alleviating this burnout effect is dropping the amount of monotony and administrative work that these folks are burdened with. It sounds like that's kind of what you're touching on, that that's a big contributor, that and of course, the loss of control that you mentioned. It sounds like that's one of the big contributors to just, you know, you mentioned things as horrible as suicide rates here. I mean, people just being overwhelmed. So yeah, I guess, you know, looking at that, we're talking about some dictation we're talking about recording things we're talking about anything we can do to to ease the burden of those administrative workflows where does ai find its way into those processes if we can kind of pick one and lay out where it fits in that would be really useful
1: all right so let me give you the case before ai kind of what the what the traditional sure. model yeah, yeah. was so it's hard to come and visualize if you haven't seen these systems so imagine the physician sees you in your visit you come in with some medical issue and they and they do this generally after the visit or sometime during the day. They'll log into this computer system, imagine it with multiple tabs and menu items all over the place. They'll have to go in there and often document type or use some version of keyboard shortcuts to often document a half page, page or two about that visit. They'll have to go to multiple things in the EHR to look up prior information and they'll have to click a lot of buttons. And so if you remember the day they have visits in 15 minute increments and they only have a few minutes between visits. So imagine what's happening. They're coming to see you. They're seeing hundreds of patients, by the way, often average physician per day, 20, 30, 40 patients per day. They have to catch up on who you are, what your problem is, because they have all these patients in their head. Most physicians have a panel of around 3000 patients. So imagine them trying. You're the when you walk in as a patient, you know you, you, you're familiar with you. But the person on the other end, that you're one of three thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they're trying to remember what's wrong with you, what the last thing was done. They see you, and when they're done in the five minutes between the before the next visit or ten minutes, they have to rush and try to document, or they scribble notes down because sometimes at the end of the day they're so rushed during the day. They can't do it at the end of the day or over at night at home. This is called pajama time in the healthcare industry. They have to catch up on the documentation. So they've seen 30 patients a day. Many clinicians do it after hours. So when they go home, they're not really off. This is part of the burnout problem. They don't see their kids. They're not talking to their wife. They're in bed with a laptop trying to remember from their scribble notes what happened in those 30 visits. Yeah, that's, okay. terrible. It's, an, that's it's, terrible. A, it's really rough. Okay. And so... With with the AI, what there's two kind of core parts of AI that that you know that the industry has done and we're the leader in. One is this ability, while the patient's in the room, or right after, you just pick up a mic, could be on your smartphone, could be a software-based microphone, and you just dictate what you said. You don't scribble notes, you're not pointing and clicking. We have a product called Dragon Medical that's used by about 60% of all physicians in the US, over 500,000. And they just dictate, they just blurb off what was wrong with you, what they want to do. They can control the EHR, like they can say, hey, Dragon, do X, just like you'd say, Alexa, or hey, Google. And so that process radically cuts down the amount of note time. And then they don't, when they get home at night or at the end of the day, they don't have to do anything because they're done. That's the state of the art in healthcare today. The next generation is something called ambient clinical intelligence, which is instead of the physician having to explicitly dictate what they want. We have a system called the Dragon Ambient Experience, which actually records with patient consent the entire conversation that you have in the exam room, mm-hmm. if you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Getting 90% of patients agree to this, and I'll explain why in a moment. Yeah, It records all the speakers in the room, and then uses AI not only to transcribe the colloquial conversation between the physician and the patient, but then uses AI to convert that conversation into what the clinician would have dictated using medical terminology all in software. So when you speak to a physician, they often talk in colloquial language to you. Yeah, yeah. And kind of back it, but when you see a medical note, they're extremely structured. They have medical terms that you've never even heard half of when they talk to you. So we now have software that does that. So from the physician's point of view, they don't even have to pick up a mic and dictate anymore. We actually use the conversation of the exam to create the draft note.
0: Yeah, that, that really feels like the ideal in that case, right? At least based on how things are structured now, where this kind of, you know, what you write down is sort of the whole... It's all that matters in, in these patient engagements, which is we could question whether that should be the state of affairs, but I think if we have to operate in it, we have to operate in it. When it comes to dictation, I'll just check in on that and then quickly clarify the, the ambient side of things before we wrap up as well. With the dictation, I would imagine that they've either got either their iPhone or some audio recording device or maybe some proprietary nuanced device. I have no idea, but they're recording whatever they wanted to sort of put down from that session. Maybe their voice has been trained pretty well. I imagine, you know, nuance, you guys are pretty industry. You have a number of industries who focus on healthcare being arguably what you're, you know, at least for me, you're best known for. So a lot of the terminology, this system will know how to pick up on, right? If I tell Siri some lengthy chemical term that a doctor's using for some drug, Siri just may not know at all what the heck I'm talking about. But, but with a, a trained industry specific system, it, it likely would. And then that, Slides automatically into the form fields where I would have had to type it manually, or does it get put into a doc that someone then processes? How does the integration work? Right. Because that's the the workflow is, I think, what matters here.
1: Right. Great question. So yeah the, the the core the core recognition performance is really phenomenal. There's no voice training anymore. It's all in the cloud. We have twenty three terabytes of data that we collect on healthcare that makes the system get better over time. So the accuracy is uh, is really unbelievable. You yeah. should try it. Sometimes, So, yeah, they can use a a software mic, a hardware mic, and when it dictates, it goes right into the electronic health record. There's no human involved. It goes right into the fields inside whatever electronic health system they're using from companies like Epic and Cerner, Meditech, Athena. And so they are in the application that they used to type
0: and click around it. Now they just use their voice to control the whole thing. Yeah, okay. So they use their voice to, you say, control the whole thing. Is that sort of like, do they... Do they talk out loud what field they want to fill in and then talk out loud what they want to fill in that field or, or how, how is the, I'm just wondering, like there's a microphone and is that, is the mic proprietary or are they using whatever device they, they have on here?
1: Well, we, we do have a proprietary mic that we sell that lets you rewind and do some special stuff. But a lot of physicians use what's called our power mic mobile, which just turns a smartphone into a wireless mic. Got it. And okay. what they do is when they walk in the room, it actually automatically pairs through the cloud. And then they talk
0: into the mic. Text shows up in whatever section of the EHR in that room they're talking to. It's pretty cool, actually. Okay. Okay. Got it. And then that transcription. I would imagine the way these things are documented is you have all these different little fields where you probably have to enter things to get the transcription into those those fields again. What just just so I can see it in my head, how does that work?
1: Yep, for sure. So they have a couple choices. So yeah, there are some fields are bigger, like text blocks, and some are more how you'd expect, like checkboxes and stuff like that so they have a couple options one is if they're in a field they want they can just dictate and the text will come out if they want to move to a certain part of the form or the UI they have a couple of choices much like with Alexa or Google we have full virtual agent capability so they can say hey drag and go to X and it just goes to the right part of the. okay okay secondly on the on the microphone both the soft the software piece uh, and the physical one they have programmable buttons so for example if it was a forum with, like, five sequential fields, yep, you can be in field one, click a button on the, the software, it goes right to the next, it one. Right to the next okay. one.
0: It's amazing to watch these guys, how fast they are. Yeah, well, they have to be, right? I mean, geez, Right. And- and so, okay, that's really cool. Now, what I would imagine again, one of the really interesting things here that we like to look at at Emerge is that the tech is important, you know, being able to train things on data and the algorithms, but the integration with the workflow is, I don't know, I call it eighty percent of the battle a lot of the time. I mean, to be honest, in terms of yeah. companies that make it and companies that don't in this space, obviously you guys have you know been pretty big for a pretty long time. When it comes to integrating with those fields, I would imagine the fields might be different per darn hospital sometimes. Yeah. You know, you got an oncology person, a radiology person. Do we have to sort of create those integrations? So for each department right. within the hospital to make sure that those flows work? Or are there some, some uniform ones that all insurance companies use that are just out of the box? How does that work?
1: Right. So this is one of the advantages, again, and one of the big difference, differentiators between us and like the general competitive environment is that we've been working with these vendors for 20 years. We are deeply integrated. Many of these systems like Epic and Cerner, they actually embed our technology through APIs directly in the EHR. So out of the box, it just works. And so, yes, if you were a competitor to Nuance coming into healthcare, you have a long, not only to get the technology to work well, but to get them integrated is, is is a big deal. And what you see is as a result, the outcomes are really stunning. You're talking, reducing a couple hours a day per physician in terms of documentation time versus the baseline with the system. So imagine getting back a couple hours per day in your busy environment. Imagine what that would do from a cost perspective. We often reduce their existing cost because some of these people use manual transcription of people that yep, dictate in yep. someone types, 60 to 70% of the cost is reduced on the thing. So it's quicker, it's faster, it's embedded. And because they can just talk. The quality of the notes are actually better because when they're typing and doing these other things, they want to get out of there as fast as yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. So they just say as little as possible to get done with the note. When you're speaking, because speaking is so much faster, the notes are actually more complete, which helps drive patient care. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, can also improve the the capture of appropriate reimbursement for that
0: encounter. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, and, well, I can, you know, t- to be frank, again, I, I won't I won't speak in any disparaging terms about your competitors. I certainly have respect for nuance. I think people probably don't give enough credit to the fact that you guys have been a billion dollar company selling AI for a long time. Well, that's somewhat rare. But yeah, from what you're saying, just to double check, some of the big existing sort of uh, players in this space already have integrations with you guys uh, because you've been around for so long. So, so, so some of that form fill stuff can be somewhat out of the box. I imagine sometimes it has to be orchestrated for different unique workflows in different hospitals. But regardless, sometimes it's out of the box. And last little quick touch point, and we'll, we'll wrap on this part of the interview, is um, in terms of kind of double-checking quality control, et cetera, I would presume, if we're taking things straight from audio, There has to be some kind of comb by somebody, you know, if we're doing notes, maybe we have to do, there's a quality control process as well. Is there someone else in the hospital that does that? Is the doctor responsible for a little bit of that touch and go to make sure he's actually saying yes, he or she is actually saying yes to what they transcribe? How is that operate?
1: Yeah, great question. So today with like Dragon, the way it works is there's no other human in the loop other than the physician. The physician is legally required to sign the note. It's their statement of what happened. So the physician has to review what was recognized and signs off and they're accountable for that. In our ambient product, because you're going from this free form conversation to this this using neural nets to convert to the summarized clinical encounter, the AI produces a high quality draft note, but we do this by specialty. And in the early periods for each specialty, we have a human that works for Nuance that's remote, virtual, that does a quick quality check before it goes back to the physician. We also use that as reinforcement learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every time they make a correction, the system gets better. And over time, we automate that human completely out of the process. That would be the goal, yeah. Yeah, that is the goal on that piece. So depending on which product you're talking about, they have no other human than the doctor and some of the more advanced stuff as a human for the early stages, and then the human is removed from the loop other than the physician, who again, always has to review and sign off on the
0: final. Yep, yep. So they they are saving a little bit of time. They might have to give it the the checkbox and make sure it's all accurate, but they get to save that time staying up all damn night. So let me just give
1: you one one other quick example, just in hardcore data. With with the ambient Clinical Intelligence, the DAX product I mentioned, early data is a massive time saving. So they're saving 50 to 75% Mm -hmm. Of time versus the traditional way of documenting, it's a massive time saver because the AI produces the note for them. They don't even have to dictate; they just talk to the patient. Yep. The satisfaction rates we've seen with docs has gone up 88 percent, and what we're super happy about is 90 percent of patients have said, "I'm fine with you recording the conversation," because what the physician says is. Instead of me looking back and forth the computer and being distracted, I can focus exclusively yep. on you yep. and spend more time. And I've got software that's going to help me do all this back end stuff that you don't really care about. And most patients, unless it's a very private interaction, yep. are fine with. And the super cool thing is with all the explosion now of telehealth, we can do that automatic creation of a note, whether you see the physician live
0: or you do a virtual visit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, with a virtual visit, you could record just like I'm doing with you right now, Peter, you could record two audio tracks. So it's all the more clear. You don't have to have as much noise and crossover and whatnot. So you you got it. Yeah. Well, I think as we move to virtual health, which you know, obviously this crisis has jolted a big spike in, in activity there, I think that'll be all the more opportunity to train however many more terabytes you guys can jam into your system to keep things improving in the future. I know that's all we had for this episode, Peter, but thanks so much for being able to join us here on AI and Business. Thank you, Dan, very much. Appreciate the time. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this one. If so, be sure to follow us on social. It's just at E-M-E-R-J, that's on Twitter, or you can find us at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on LinkedIn and stay tuned to all of our latest content. You can also find us on Facebook as well. Not only will you get all of our latest podcasts, but you'll also receive our other podcast episodes on our AI and Financial Services podcast, which I recommend you subscribe to as well you'll also get all of our articles and latest infographics, etc. So be sure to follow us on social and stay tuned. We're going to be catching you here on Thursday for our Making the Business Case episode, where we talk about more practical insights for deployment. So I'll catch you in two days here on the AI and Business Podcast.